that scripture is a pretty interesting verse because, um, you know, the, the salt that's lost its its it's either flavor or savor is the way it's written um, in some uh, translations. The only way salt can lose its savor is through contamination. Um, you know, salt doesn't doesn't really lose a flavor. But if you were to take a bag of salt and then dump it across, you know, uh, the beach, then try to gather that up that salt would have lost its savor. It's, it's that contamination that's the problem. So the importance of salt, even in biblical times, was essential. It was written about, as you point out, it was it was, it was was so essential. And then today, for people to think that salt's bad when it's been part of our, our life and culture since the dawn of, since dawn of man, it's, uh, it's interesting. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the SuperSetYourLife.com podcast. If this is your first time joining us, this is your weekly dose and uh, salty dose as of lately <laughs> of, uh, in more ways than one, of entertainment, education, and inspiration to fuel your life inside and beyond the gym. We have Daryl Bosshart on this interview. You can safely say that he is the salt expert. I've never talked to somebody that has so much passion about something that um, so many people tend to overlook. What's mineral salt? What's sea salt? What's table salt? What's the difference between all of these? What's a finishing salt? What does kosher cut mean? Uh, we talked about all this. So if this is all new to you, this is gonna be like Salt 101, a very, very good place to start. You're just gonna love his energy, his passion, and I think you're gonna learn a lot about something that oh, a couple months ago, especially after um, especially before meeting Daryl, I didn't even know that there was to know. <laughs> There's, it's like this whole world within salt um, that is really, really fascinating, and I'm excited for you to be a part of the journey. So before we turn it over to Mr. Daryl and get into a little bit of his background, I'm going to start with a quick client testimonial, and this is going to be from Mr. Steve down in Houston. Uh, this is not something that I asked him to say. This is something that just comes up uh, pretty much every day in our um, communication as far as our check-ins go. So online coaching, it's basically like we're working out together every single day. If you're unfamiliar with our business model, it's very hands-on. We only have about 12 clients at a time. Uh, but for coaching inquiries and for consultations, feel free to shoot me a text on my personal cell until we get our new website up. Uh, but it's going to be 206 seven four three one three four six you can text the word coaching okay we're going to turn things over to mr steve and then my beautiful wife and ceo uh taylor milton is going to say a couple things and then we're going to jump right into the interview that's better because i'm a lot stronger through a lot of the movements which really helps um you know where i'm just not feeling as fatigued or i'm not burning out as fast like you know how the first um until you build up that endurance in the muscle sometimes you can like you know, say do chest press, for example, for 12, and then, you know, with 60 pounds, 70 pounds, 80 pounds, and then you move to the next set, and you're like taxed at rep number six, um, where I feel like I'm able to get um, just, I'm stronger through a lot of the movements. I've noticed probably a 20, 30, sometimes even a 40% increase on the weight that I'm doing in certain exercises. Huge victory. So that weightlifting belt, um, when I first started, I could not actually get it to go around my waist to actually hit the Velcro 
to then be able to uh to to hold it in in spot there like to actually use the strap itself it just it was too small of a belt the velcro wouldn't touch um so now fast forward to two and a half three weeks later it's not only is it on there but it's actually on there all the way to the end where it's like moved a good probably seven eight inches or so now obviously i haven't lost eight inches around my waist um but just like the amount of water and you know everything that was just like being held in my gut that just didn't allow it to go around is obviously uh dissipating at quite a rapid rate um you know to actually help out my midsection so massive massive uh um, tangible victory um that i didn't even realize until today i'm like wow that just really went on easy and then i felt it and i'm like wow holy smokes um so that was great hey everyone coach taylor milton here welcome to skull bells tv the official youtube channel of supersetyourlife.com where you're going to discover a weekly upload of quick and easy to follow workout tutorials featuring coach colt myself or one of our athletes to keep your workouts fun practical and effective our family's latest keto carnivore recipes that fuel Colts competitions and keep myself and our kiddos strong and healthy video uploads of the supersetyourlife.com podcast. Now over a hundred episodes, your weekly dose of entertainment, education, and inspiration to fuel your life inside and beyond the gym and much more. Last thing before we get into the video, we're asking a big favor from you. This has been working beautifully. So if you would please Think of someone you care about that would benefit from this video. Go ahead and smash that like button, click the share button and text this video to them. That would mean the world to us. And while you're at it, make sure you hit the subscribe button so you don't miss more exciting content from School Bells TV because our team has lots of meat and lots of muscle coming your way and I promise you won't want to miss it. When you hit the subscribe button, you'll see a bell icon pop up. You want to click that too so you're notified every time we release a new video. Thank you so much for the support. It means the world to us. Every like, share, and subscription helps our channel grow and supports our family's hard work. So thank you so much for doing your part too. That's all we ask. God bless you and please enjoy this video. Hey podcast. Okay, so we have Daryl Bosshart. I'm so excited about this interview now. This gentleman is passionate about healthy living, healthy eating, and lifelong learning. Daryl grew up working for the family mineral business in Redmond, Utah, and then earned a Bachelor of Science degree at Southern Utah University, followed by an MBA at Western Governors University. Daryl, welcome to the show. And before and, and, bef and before you say thank you, I just wanted to say again from the bottom of my heart, like we were talking about before we started recording, uh, I just think the world of you, sir. I really, really do. Um, everybody that I've talked to, we were just at Dr. Fit and Fabulous. Is she actually sent me home with some of these crystals just as a gift? Uh, my wife was like, "What are we supposed to do with those crystals?" And I was, and I was like, "Well, uh, th there's a lot you can do with them, but." I ain't opening this package. This is freaking cool. This is sitting on my desk and I'm just going to look at it and be like, oh, hell yeah, that's freaking awesome. So <laughs> thank you very much, Dr. Seaman, for, again, for sending um, Melanie and I home with those when we were um, at your new gym in Nebraska. But yeah, other than that, just wanted to say, uh, Daryl, welcome to the supersetyourlife.com podcast. Colt, thanks so much for having me on the program today. Um, I am super excited. I've heard lots of great things about you and your podcast, and uh, I've watched a couple episodes, haven't watched everything, but excited to be a part of the program today. I oh, appreciate it. Thanks so much. Um, okay, so how did your love for salt, of all things, begin? 
you know, salt's funny because people think, you know, if you looked up salt in the dictionary or if you looked up commodity in the dictionary, salt is going to be listed. I mean, nothing is more boring to most people than salt. I mean, how exciting can salt be? But since I was little, I've just I've been fascinated with salt. Um, and, you know, as you said in my bio, I grew up working for the family mineral business. And it just so happens that under my grandfather's farm is uh, an ancient seabed. And we could talk more about that. But growing up, I had a, a salt lick on my nightstand and I would I would lick salt. I'd keep salt in my pockets. I would, you know, go work in the salt mill and I'd lick my arms because they <laughs> all tasted salty. And um, yeah, I've just been fascinated by salt and uh, fortunately grew up in a salt business. So that was easy to, to learn and to be around it. And uh, I don't think it's as near as boring and it's not the commodity that people thought it was or thought I think it is. Mm -hmm. uh, I've heard that sea salt is better for me. Is that true? You know, if you went and uh, if we had a live audience today and we said, everybody who has heard sea salts better, I would bet almost everybody would raise their hands because people have heard that. And, you know, 30 or 40 years ago, that may have been the case if you went in and, and bought sea salt versus something else. Unfortunately, today, that's not the case. And you can walk into a health food store or a grocery store and you can buy a product that says sea salt and there can be more chemicals and it can be higher processed than the, the table salt that sitting right next to it. And so the term sea salt today means nothing. And it's, and it's very also, generic. It's like saying I go to church. Okay. That could mean a million different things. <laughs> great analogy. Um, and, and salt, all salt today comes, can be defined as sea salt because it comes from a sea bed at some point. It might be the current ocean, like the San Francisco Bay or the Gulf of Mexico. It might be a dead sea, like the dead sea in Israel or the dead sea here in Utah called the Great Salt Lake, or it could be an ancient seabed, a seabed that was laid down eons ago, similar to the Himalayan salt that comes out of the Nepal and Pakistan region, or it could be the, the pink salt that comes out of the Bolivia deposit, Bolivian pink salt, or Andean pink salt, as it's sometimes called, or it can come out of this seabed in Utah that we call real salt from this you know prehistoric seabed here. So but a seabed is consistent in all of those things. And so, again, it's, it's better to look at the label, look at the process, uh, look what's been done to it or hasn't been done to it, rather than looking for just the name sea salt. Right. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and, and we are live too, by the way. Sorry, that's what I was doing over here. And so um, I was just letting everybody know on Instagram, hey, if you guys got questions for uh, Redmond, Red, Redmond Real Salt, anything about um, electrolytes, potassium, sodium content, uh, what is sea salt? Uh, how's that different than table salt? Uh, fire away and I'll go ahead and ask them, okay? While we got, while we do have Mr. Darrow um, live here, God, this is so exciting. Okay, uh, so so what are the what the 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 term sea salt? It it means that it came from the sea at some point, right? And so that could be either an ocean, um, like a prehistoric seabed, like what you guys have in Utah, um, or something like uh, Celtic sea salt, for example, which is which is literally straight out of a fresh sea today. That's not an ancient uh, dried up seabed, which is like what um, pink Himalayan salt is from what I understand um, and Redmond real salt, which are very uh, similar, similar mining processes. Yeah. You know, when it comes to salt, there's 
there's really two basic differences. And then there's a subset of those differences. So, you know, if we went back a few hundred years ago before we had the refrigerator or even longer than that, you know, we went back to caveman days, you know, any food that we ate outside of season would have been preserved with salt. And so we would have consumed a lot more salt than most people might today because everything wow. you ate was preserved with salt. Because otherwise, you couldn't, the food doesn't save. And so the term salary is because in the times of Rome, Roman soldiers were paid in salt. So the term salary is because they were paid in salt. There's a saying that says, is a man worth his salt? That's an old saying that you may have heard before. That's because you were paid in salt. And if you were too lazy and you weren't worth the salt that you were paid, you weren't worth your salt. And so spice traders, every civilization started around access to the salt deposits because outside of season, if, if you kill an animal and you've got a great steak, well, that steak's not going to last very long because it'll spoil. And so you preserve that with salt. If you were going to preserve vegetables, you, you would make kimchi or sauerkraut, and you would do that with salting those vegetables and, and that salt preserves. And so salt is necessary for the preservation of food. If you're going to eat that food outside of its season or outside of the, the period of time where you've harvested the animal, because it doesn't last. And so you either got to eat the whole bison, right? in one whack, or you've got to find a way to preserve that with salt and smoking and, and things like that. And so this idea that salt's bad is just in the last hundred years, or actually even less than that, because salt has always been necessary for survival. Our, our tears are salt, our urine is salt, our sweat is salt. Um, our bodies are saline solution in motion. And so animals will seek out salt deposits Yeah, and, and humans have always started civilizations around access to that salt. And it's been a source of trade. It was used in religious ceremonies. It was absolutely necessary for survival. It's only been in the last, like I said, hundred years or so where we've taken foods that are terrible for us. We've used copious amounts of processed salt on it to make it last longer than it should on foods that we shouldn't be eating in the first place. And then we think that salt's bad for us. But yet if you walked into the hospital or uh, the paramedics come over, the first thing they're going to do is they're going to give you an IV of saline solution, which is salt water. If salt water or salt was bad for us, you wouldn't get it intravenously. In fact, an IV of anything but salt water would be disastrous. It, your cells would rupture. You, an IV of distilled water, terrible. IV of tap water, worse. An IV of coffee, although we think that sounds great in the morning, it would kill us. Um, we actually have to have that balance of, of water and salt which is the essence of life. There was a, a book written called Water and Salt, The Essence of Life by Dr. Barbara Handel. Mm -hmm. And 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 we so we're, I can't stress enough how important salt is. And yet somebody thinks, well, I heard salt's bad for me. But it's it's not the salt. It's the either the processed salt or it's the foods that we're putting this this processed salt on. And that was kind of a long answer to your question about salt, but salt in, in nature is a complex chloride. It occurs with potassium chloride, magnesium chloride, calcium chloride, and a bunch of other trace elements that our, our bodies need that are in the oceans. Um, and the way humans have always harvested salt was twofold. If you went back you know, a few thousand years ago, your choice was to either find an ancient seabed like the Himalayan that we talked about, or the Redmond salt here in Utah, or the Bolivian, that's an ancient seabed. You'd have to, or 
you go to a Dead Sea, the challenge with the Dead Sea in Israel, it's mostly magnesium and potassium chloride. So it's it's not what our bodies are based on. Our bodies are based on sodium and chloride. Um, or you could go to the current ocean. And the way our ancestors would harvest salt from the current ocean was a beautiful process. And there's some salt companies today that still use that same historic process. And what they would do is seawater is about 3% salts. And I say salts, plural, because it's sodium chloride, potassium chloride, magnesium chloride, calcium chloride. There's trace zinc, selenium, iron, iodine, phosphorus, all kinds of things in that in that seawater, which is one of the reasons that that kelp or seaweed is so rich in iodine is because it's it's in the oceans. So salt companies historically would they would. So, sorry to interrupt. May, may, may I ask a question based on what you said oh, before I forget it? Yeah. <laughs> OK. Uh, so it, 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 and what I understand is what I'm understanding correctly Um the uh, the seaweed the kelp those um th- those those minerals that that we're getting out of um out of out of the, out of the ancient sea salt that you're describing um are are we still getting all those benefits even though the, the, these have been even though this seabed has been buried for thousands and thousands of years compared to um something fresh that's a great question and it's one we get off and we'll hear people say well um you know, especially some of the, the plant-based diet uh, folks will say, well, you know, you, you can't absorb um, anything that comes from a crystal. It's got to come from a, a living, you know, plant. But but that's not the case. And salt's a great example of that. Um, if, if salt was not absorbable in the crystal form and you only could get salt from celery, which does have some salt in it, um, then by taking salt, it wouldn't, it wouldn't absorb at all. But but sodium chloride, from it's an ancient seabed or the current ocean, your body can absorb it either way, no problem. Now, some of the other, I mean, all the other elements that are in there, are they all 100% bioavailable? We get that question a lot. And the answer is, you know, everybody's different. And the bioavailability of nutrients is way more complex chemistry than, than I'm qualified to talk about. Um, but we do know that that the mineral, the sodium chloride, potassium chloride, magnesium chloride, and these other elements, they, they are absorbable by the body, just like you know, salt is, even though it's in a crystal form, um, your body can still absorb salt from a crystal bed just as well as you could salt that, you know, occurs in celery. Yeah. Uh, okay, great. I got, got a question on um, mineral content again, but before I do, just wanted, just wanted to touch that uh, someone on the Instagram live was um, lo- loving what, you, what you're saying about uh, being worth your salt. And um, you were really speaking my language when you're talking about um, the, the Romans and everything um, back in, back in the biblical times around the new Testament, but just wanted to uh, throw in there, Matthew five thirteen. You are the, that, that, that's what I was looking for when I grabbed my Bible off my shelf right now, but this is King James, the new King James version. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It shall then be good for nothing to be thrown and trampled underfoot by men. Um, so even the, the way that Jesus was talking to his disciples here, um, it, it, now things are really starting to click as far as how uh, valuable salt is and how, uh, how far, how far back it goes. It's not, it's, 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 it's not, it's not a modern thing where people are, where doctors are telling us to uh, be careful about our sodium intake and stuff when uh, maybe they're not as educated as, um, as they could be on, uh, on the history of it and how, uh, and, and how um, we've evolved and we've grown as a species with salt. This isn't something just new that we're adding to our food. It, it's always been essential. And, and that scripture is a pretty interesting verse because, um, you know, the, the salt that's lost, it's, it's, it's either flavor or savor is the way it's written um, in some 
uh, translations, the only way salt can lose its savor is through contamination. Um, you know, salt doesn't doesn't really lose a flavor. But if you were to take a bag of salt and then dump it across, you know, uh, the beach, then try to gather that up, that salt would have lost its savor. It's, it's that contamination that's the problem. So the importance of salt, even in biblical times, was essential. It was written about, as you point out, it was it was it was so essential. And then today, for people to think that salt's bad when it's been part of our, our life and culture since the dawn of, since dawn of man, it's, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. It almost makes me wonder that th- this is probably too much of a conjecture, but I, I, I can't, I can't resist. And so uh, I'm, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a historian or anything, but um, I wonder if there's an implicate, if there's an implication, a symbolic Im- uh, spiritual implication and a connection between um, contamination and sin. He's talking about his disciples here, and uh, and he's ta- he's taught he's instructing his disciples here. So, I I just find it funny that he's saying the salt lost its flavor, and you're saying, um, and and you're talking about contamination, and he's teaching them uh, not to sin, not to sin, and to walk in his ways. So, I just yep. think that's a very very interesting connection, and <laughs> something I can't ignore. <laughs> uh, Good stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to ask if, uh, okay. So I got pulled up on my other monitor here, your guys' website. Um, I was, I was looking for it earlier today, the last couple of days. Um, do you have a, a PDF or a resource or, or something that has um, a list of all of the trace elements that, that are, and, and minerals that are in your guys' sea salt? Yeah. So on the website, uh, there's a, uh, if you, if you just did a Google search and typed uh, real salt elemental analysis, uh, it'll pull up the link. Um, there's a media page. It's got a couple different documents on it. Found it. Um, yeah. and so if you click on that, um, that'll pull up the list. Now, something to keep in mind is, um, these are all of the elements. There's about 74 elements that we test for each time. Mm-hmm. And these are these are the, the ones that you can actually test for. I mean, you're not going to test for noble gases, right? And so, although there's a lot more elements in the periodic table, these are ones that that actually you can you can test for. Um, and so that's why we test for about 74 of those. Um, and some of those never show up, um, even though we test for them on the test analysis. You'll see some if you look close. There's a, a little. I don't know if it's. Uh, can't remember if it's an asterisk or a dash or something. If you look close, there's a, a, a note section on the bottom of that sheet that says these have never been found. Um, and there's a couple others on there, another you know few that show up there occasionally. Um, it, over the last 40 years of elemental testing, we see one that it shows up and then it disappears again. And so um, one of the things with 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 any testing, um, it's we're talking parts per million or even you know, percentage of parts per million. And so depending on the test level, if we had, you know, some super duper, you know, test equipment, you know, if we tested for everything because we live on the planet earth at some level, probably everything occurs. Um, I'm not sure where that sound came from. Sorry about that. I didn't hear it. (laughs) You don't hear it? (laughs) No. There is a, uh, there's a TV here in this room. And uh, somebody just grabbed a hold of them, started projecting on the monitor. Sorry. I couldn't hear a thing. So, so, yeah. So on that elemental list, you'll see a lot of different things we've tested for over the years. And yeah. if you were to to take two shakers of salt and test those shakers back to back, they're going to be slightly different because it's we're, we're talking such a small amount. And the test is actually looking for, it says parts per million, but it's not looking at a million parts and then sorting those parts. 
what it's actually looking at is the atomic weights. And so it's milligrams per kilogram. A good example is sodium and chloride. So if you look at just sodium and chloride, you have one sodium and chloride that are bound together. Yeah, because I see those are separated on your guys's on, on your guys's data sheet. Right. And so what you're looking at is is some people think so sodium and chloride binds one to one. You have a sodium, which uh, pure sodium is a very um, reactive base. And then you have chloride, which is in its pure form as a deadly acidic gas. But you bind the two together and then they become salt, which is which is neither acid or base and it's life sustaining. You know, chlorine gas will kill you. Pure sodium, one drop of water, it blows up violently. You put them together and it sustains life. So, so chemistry is a lot more complex than just saying, oh, there's chlorine gas in the salt. And when you do a full elemental scan, what you're looking for is the presence of an element. You're not looking for the compound. You're not looking for the form of the element. You're just looking for the individual elements. And so you'll see sodium and chloride. If you have one sodium and chloride that bind together, you might think you have 50% um, or you would have 500,000 parts of this and 500,000 parts of this, which gives you a million parts. That's not the way parts per million works. What we're looking at is milligrams per kilogram. And the sodium molecule is actually bigger than the, um, sorry, the chloride molecule is actually bigger than the sodium. That's what I and figured. Sodium and chloride will always bind 60-40 roughly because you'll have one sodium, which is little, one chlorine, which is big. They bind together. And so your, your elemental analysis of those just one molecule that has sodium and chloride bound together, you would see roughly 600,000 parts per million chloride, and you'd have roughly 400,000 parts per million sodium. And so when you look at an elemental analysis, you'll see that about 37% to, to roughly, um, you know, 60% is sodium and chloride, because mm -hmm. we're looking at the, the individual atomic weights, we're not looking at the actual parts so that kind of confuses some people. Yeah. So then as you look at that list, you'll see, um, the the less than or equal to sign or you know it's roughly this many this percentage roughly 37 percent sodium and roughly off the top of my head i'm not looking at it but what is it 58 percent or something like that mm -hmm. uh chloride and then everything else is in is in trace amounts because um in in the u.s food salt is defined as 97 food salt has to be at least 97 percent sodium and chloride um, and so you can only have 3% mineral in food salt and have it still be defined as food salt. So these other chlorides that you drop down, you'll see the calcium on there. You'll see potassium on there. Um, and those are shown individually, but they're likely occurring as potassium chloride, magnesium chloride, because the salt is a complex chloride. And oh. then everything else drops down at really small amounts after that. Okay. So Does that kind of makes sense how to read that now. Yeah, because... Because you because you guys and Celtic sea salt both are, both um, you know uh, typically mention that there is potassium and and um, along along with the salt, which is something that our body needs. And as bodybuilders, especially on this last contest prep, um, so I just got done with a uh, six month uh, long um, ketogenic carnivore bodybuilding prep. Okay, so no carbs uh, for six months straight, and the biggest thing that robert sykes who i'm sure you're very well familiar with um the keep the keto savage as a matter of fact i have this book right here this was this was my my uh my gospel my manual basically followed this thing literally to to a t 
um, throughout the entire prep. And, and he's actually the one that turned me on to your guys's, uh, uh, to, to your guys' products. And every time they cook something, they're always like, Hey, we use Redmond real salt. It's the best. Hey, we use Redmond real salt. It's the best. I'm like, all right, I trust this guy I'm getting Redmond real salt. <laughs> um, but he's v- uh, very, very meticulous about how he tracks his electrolytes, um, specifically potassium and the importance of potassium. So that's one of the biggest takeaways I got from the book. And one of the biggest challenges has been getting enough uh, potassium in my diet. Side note, that's why we have been excited about uh relight because we've compared it to probably 10 different other um we, we 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 compared it to probably 10 different samples of um of of, of other electrolyte products and uh your, your guys has had the highest potassium content and not 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 only that but your customer service is just out of this world so um and and there's there's a very genuine passion behind every single person that I talk to with your guys' company. I don't care if it's you. I don't care if it's Rick. Um, everybody, it's like you can hear the passion and the enthusiasm in their voice. Uh, anyway, sorry, long, long roundabout way of uh, coming back to potassium. Um, the challenge as a bodybuilder, especially being on a ketogenic diet or any kind of a low carb diet, is to get our potassium ratio up to um, about 50% of where our, our uh, sodium chloride is. Um, so on the subject of potassium, it, it, on paper, it doesn't look like there's a lot in, in, in your guys' salt, but from what I understand, um, the chloride has, has, has more to do with it. And so there's more potassium in the salt than what it looks like on paper, because when we see potassium, we're just seeing that element. We're not seeing the actual full compound. Yes. Uh-huh. And, and same thing with sodium. When you're looking at just the sodium, what you're looking at is it's actually sodium chloride um, right. and potassium chloride. Um, and it's interesting. And I don't know, I haven't done the research in, you know, a pure carnivore diet mm-hmm. like you and many of your, you know, your uh, fellow podcasters have, but the studies that I've seen is years ago, man ate a lot more potassium than many people do today. Um, and maybe that's because there are good meats that are rich in potassium, but there's also some, some vegetables that probably people ate that had higher levels of potassium back then than that same vegetable would today because of the depleted soils and things like that. Mm -hmm. And salt was never meant to be a source of potassium, but it can be a source of a little potassium to add on. So if you look at that elemental analysis, um, you know, it's, you know, like 0.1%. Um, so it's not a high amount and calcium's like half a percent of calcium, um, which isn't a lot, but that's because salt is sodium and chloride based. And so we do need to go out of our way to add, you know, other foods rich in potassium. And so, you know, years ago, um, I used to make a, before we had relight, I would just make my own sports drink because I didn't want to use the processed stuff. So I would take a quart of good, clean water, add a quarter teaspoon of real salt to it, um, add a squeeze of lemon for a little bit of flavor. And it was, in my opinion, the best sports drink you could make. Um, But when we launched Relight, we said, look, we know that a lot of people, especially if you start either on the keto um, or on the carnivore diet, or you're, you know, just trying to eat cleaner, you, you do need more potassium than many people have in their, in their normal diets. And so that's why when we launched Relight, we said, Hey, look, let's, let's add this great you know, source of potassium and some magnesium, these other electrolytes that are really important because seawater and ancient seabeds were never a, a source, a dietary source of potassium. Yes, there's some there, but it's not a dietary source of any more than it's a dietary source of protein. Yeah. Um, 
good addition to protein, but it's, it's not a dietary, it, it's a dietary source of sodium with some other great electrolytes added to it that nature provided, but it, it's not a dietary source of calcium or potassium or magnesium. Mm -hmm. So this is a bodybuilding contest or excuse me, a contest. Uh, <laughs> this is a bodybuilding podcast. Um, <clears throat> I'm on contest prep brain right now. So, <laughs> uh, so if, if I could make an analogy to make it make sense to bodybuilders, um, when you take a BCAA products, you, the, the, the most, in, the most important ingredient in it. And the reason that you're taking it is because of leucine. That's the most anabolic. That's what tells your body to build muscle, but leucine in and of itself, uh, isn't really what builds muscles. It needs all the other amino acids along with it. It needs valine. It needs isoleucine and it needs, uh, glutamine and all the non-essential and, and, and all the rest of the essentials too, to really be able to do something with it. So if we're going to make an analogy, it seems like salt. If, if you want the best bang for your buck, when it comes to, um, your, your dietary salt, then it wouldn't make sense to, it, it just wouldn't make any sense to use something so refined as a, tr a traditional table salt like we have today. Having the entire rest of the mineral spectrum is going to be more natural and is going to be more bioavailable that your body can actually do something with it. Excellent. And, and, it, and it's great flavor too. Um, and this might be a good time. You mentioned natural salt, maybe a good time to describe the difference in salts in general, how, you yeah. know, how, um, yeah, so early, early man, if they didn't have access to the Himalayan deposit or the real salt deposit, what they would have done if they lived on the coast, say by Brittany, France, Brittany, France is known for its gray salt. So what they would have done, seawater is 3% salts. So it has sodium chloride, potassium, but it's, it's 3% and the rest of it's water and max salinity water can only hold a maximum of 26% salts. Which means if I took this salt crystal right here and I put this in a jar of water, that water would immediately start to eat that salt crystal away. Mm -hmm. Because especially if it was, let's say we had distilled water. So distilled water, it's hungry water. So as soon as you put the crystal in there, that distilled water is going to start dissolving that salt crystal until the water hits 26%. Boom, it's done. And then that salt crystal will never get any smaller until you add more water because 26% is what we call max salinity. The ocean is 3%. So what our early ancestors would have done is they would have gone to the ocean. They would have made a pond. Now clay will create a barrier that the water doesn't seep through. And so if you go to France, there's gray clay in France. And so you can line a pond, make a, a cutout pond, line it with the gray clay so the water can't seep back into the sand channel that seawater into that pond that's at 3%. And now that hot Mediterranean sun will start to evaporate that water off the pond. And as that water evaporates off the pond, pretty soon that water is going to hit 26% sodium and chloride. When that happens and it hits 27, 28, 29, the salt crystals will fall out of suspension onto the bottom of that pond. And now you have these salt crystals that are whole and complete because it came in one in one solution. The water settles off. And then like on the picture on your on your package there, you've got a guy with the rake in the middle of the pond and he's raking those salt crystals just like that off the bottom of the pond. And as he does that, he's raking this beautiful salt crystals coming from the ocean in its complete state. And it's picking up some of the gray color from that gray clay lined pond. That's why it's called that. That's why this Celtic sea salt product is called fine ground, fine ground and why it's why it's gray. 
exactly it's funny now, when, when, when they i was just reading in uh, selena's autobiography because we were talking about her before the um before, before we started recording but she was uh she, she has this whole story about how when they came out with the gray just all their customers were obsessed with it and nobody even wanted white salt anymore because the, the gray the gray was just so uh was, was just so new and 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 more more natural <laughs> and it has a it has a nice flavor to it because it's pulling up those trace minerals from the clay mm-hmm. and so you're getting even a few more minerals because of that gray clay that's trapped within the salt crystal and it's a beautiful color and and salt crystals if, if you were to dump that bag on your hand every crystal looks unique like a snowflake it does. Um, and and that's how salt should be salt should if you dump the salt out of your kitchen shaker and it looks a hundred percent uniform beady crystals that's a problem. Just like if, if you were to go to the store and you bought a chicken breast and and it looked identical, like every single piece. I mean, you would say, now, wait a second. Uh, every chicken breast or every steak. should like chicken nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> if it all looks identical, like it came out of a, 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 a manufacturing line, you might think, hey, there's something's changed. Yeah. Um, or if you walked up to a, an apple tree and every apple looked you think you were in the Truman show or something. Right. Um, and, and salt should be the same. Salt should be unique. Every crystal should have its own uniqueness. And so, so that's how our ancestors made salt. Now, if you're there at the coast of Brittany, France, and, and you're in the pond and, and you have the salt that's on the bottom and, and there's a, a hot wind, you get a flash crystallization on the top of that pond. It'll actually look almost like a crispy cream donut glaze on the top of the pond. It's a film that, that flashes and they'll use a, a light comb. It looks like a comb and they'll, they'll lift that really light, delicate crystal off the top before it falls to the bottom of the pond. That's called Florida cell or, or flower of the ocean. It's a yeah. very delicate, very delicate salt crystal. And dude, Celtic- okay. okay. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off again, but uh, okay. So last night was date night for my wife and I, right? And, uh, and, and our treat was, was, was sharing, um, flower of the ocean. We've never had it before. And it was, it was actually, a, I don't know if it's a generic term or not, but, uh, Celtic sea salt, um, sent us a sample of it. And so we, so, so we did that. Yeah. And I read, read, read up all on like how, just like you described how, how, how it's, uh, manufactured or it's not manufactured, but how it's sourced harvested or yeah. And, uh, man, what, one of my favorite things to do with that or like another kosher salt or, um, something that has like that texture, uh, like Malden or something, you know, is to, and that's why I was laughing when you were talking about donuts is, is because it's, is to just take a good piece of steak, like a raw piece of steak, um, or, or blue, blue rare, and just cover it in it and the uh the the crunch that you get with that salt and the steak together i'm not talking about the salt that all our all of our listeners are probably thinking of i'm talking about a damn good salt and it 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 will it it reminds me of um of 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 a a donut that has uh that, that that's just covered in sugar I mean, that's literally how good it tastes and what the and the best way that I can describe the texture. I mean, it's really a truly amazing experience um, tasting a salt that is that high quality. And, and it makes a big difference, if you, especially topical. Now, if you looked at the price of a Florida cell uh, in, and there's many brands that carry it, but that the price is a lot more expensive than it would be for your light gray that you just had in your hand. Yeah. And it's because it's this unique case when this hot wind will blow across like taking a hair dryer and blowing it across the top of that water and it gets this this flash crystallization before it settles off and it's 
you know, I wouldn't use it in a beef stock or something like that because it would it dissolves and the magic's gone. Yeah. But topically, yeah, it's it's an excellent. It'd be, a, it'd be like putting premium gas in a freaking uh, two two thousand of stratus <laughs> exactly yeah. um so there's a great there's a great place for it and so but the point is that's how our early ancestors would have made salt um and it's in it's it's whole and it's complete or they would have gone to an ancient seabed like the dead like the himalayan pink or the real salt here in utah um actually it's kind of a fun side story the the salt crystals in utah as they were excavating there's a, a state park um out here in the west called mesa verde state park and it's this these beautiful cliff cliff dwelling homes from um, Aztec uh, Indians and these these beautiful cliff dwellings. When they were doing the excavation, the archaeologists found salt crystals from the deposit on my grandfather's farm in these ancient ruins, and so the salt was was tracked and traded all over. But again, the salt is an ancient seabed that, similar to the the the, the Celtic salt we just talked about, but this process took place eons ago. And so the same evaporation would have occurred just before, you know, humans were there to, to watch it uh, take place. But you still had the the clay lined ponds and, and the color and the minerals that are trapped in it. And so that's how that's how our, all of our ancestors, that's how the salt that you mentioned about in the Bible, that's how this salt would have been produced. And and people used it for everything. Um, and now today, salt companies around the turn of the century, salt companies realized that they could take the seawater like the, the Celtic gray. And instead of. Instead of using a single pond like Selena does, which is and, and I, before the show, I said, you know, I think Celtic is a great product. I tell people all the time. I, I know Selena I say, hey, you know, obviously I'm, I'm passionate about Redmond, but if I didn't have Redmond, I would. Selena is where I would go. I, I think she's got a great product. She has a great company. Um, and we, at the end of the show, I'll talk a little bit about the three questions I think you should ask when you buy a product. Um, and it can be a mountain bike, it could be a, a set of weights for your gym, or it can be salt. And I think there's three good questions. Sounds, um, sounds great. And she, and she says all the same stuff about you too. She speaks very, very, very highly about you and about Redmond. And um, it's, you know, she, she's gone through, boy, um, some, some major tribulations. And I'm sure that you have too, uh, with uh, other salt companies that I'm not going to name the names of <laughs> that really tried to take what, what she, what she was doing and run with it. And um yeah, she's been, she's been through some through some hard times building that business from the ground up, but um, you know it's 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 nice, it's refreshing, I guess, to see uh, somebody that's done so well like her and someone that's done so well like you and your family. I mean, it's a family business for you too, um, and 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 to see everybody get along. Because <laughs> you, you know, don't see that in other industries, you really don't. Uh, the fruit industry, I got got a whole bunch of family in the fruit industry, and it's cutthroat, man. I mean, bodybuilding can be cutthroat too. It's like who's being coached by who, and <laughs> um, well, yeah. And anyway, that, sorry. I think it's just the just the beauty of of natural and beauty of salt, and um, and so rather than you know salt company, a lot of salt companies today, rather than doing it like like Celtic does with this one pond, you can take now with science and chemistry, you can use a membrane or a liner to line that pond with, and you can bring the seawater in, and then you can leach off just the potassium chloride. Then you move it to the next pond and leach out just the magnesium chloride, move it to the next pond, pull out the calcium chloride. So through a series of evaporation ponds, you can move this water through and pull off some of the other elements that occur with, with seawater, which... I think is a problem. It's like if, if you and I had it, you mentioned fruit. So let's say you and I have a, an orange company. Yep. And, and we know, uh, 
vitamin C is important, you know, especially if you don't have access to it, you know, scurvy and things like that. So let's say you and I find this new way we can take an orange and we can extract all the vitamin C out of the orange with the orange still looking like an orange. And so now we can take all of the ascorbic acid and sell it to a supplement company and we can take the orange and sell it at a, at a grocery store. Oh, well, it makes total economic sense for you and I to do that. But if you stop and think about it, you That's know, not ethical, man. <laughs> it's, it's not really what consumers are thinking when they're buying that orange. If we've already taken out that, you know, the vitamin C and, that, and so that's natural, a, that's, a, that's a dirty marketing trick. That's what that is. That's well, that. and, and I think initially it would just, I don't think people really thought about it. I mean, maybe they did, but I think, you know, you could just be sitting around thinking, oh, wow, you know, potassium chloride is viable. There's potassium chloride in salt. Salt's just sodium and chloride. Well, what if we pulled out the potassium chloride first and then we can pull out the magnesium chloride and, and, and they don't pull off every single element because it, at some point it's not cost effective to do that. But like the Great Salt Lake here in Utah, one of the big um, economic drivers of the Great Salt Lake is actually magnesium. And so they can take the, the Great Salt Lake water, which is sodium and chloride, but they can move it through and pull off all the magnesium out of that water. See, that's pretty actually, high up in your guys's list. It's like the, it's like the first uh, element right after, right after chloride, sodium, and calcium, bam, magnesium right there, even ahead and, of potassium. Yeah. And, and, and you can, you can leach those off. And so that's the first problem with salt companies. And that's why if you go to a natural company and, and if you went to Hawaii, they have a similar process to the Celtic gray that comes off Brittany, France, but they use a gray clay Sorry, these are red clay to line that pond. And so then you get this uh, this uh, Hawaiian red salt that has a kind of a dusty, it's kind of a good, it's got a dusty flavor, Hawaiian red. Uh, if you have charcoal or a black clay, black that you add to that, then you can get this black salt that has kind of a charcoaly flavor. Mm. Um, but the point is the salt crystals are, they're holistic. So that's the first challenge. The second challenge you know, salt's job in the body, as you know, is to help regulate the intercellular and extracellular fluids. Mm -hmm. um, and we have this thing called the sodium potassium pump that, you know, brings in, you know, you can Google it. It's kind of a cool little video and watch how that works. But salt's job in the body is to regulate fluids. Um, and that, that's its job. And because yeah. of that, salt is hygroscopic. So if you take this salt crystal and you had it in a humid area, and even just touching it, my hands feel sweaty because salt sucks water out of the air. And so if you have a salt crystal and it's in a humid area or you, if you touch it, the salt is sucking the water off my hands. And in fact, if you put it on a dish in, in Florida, you'll actually get a little pool of water under the salt crystal because it, it's literally a dehumidifier. Yeah, that's fascinating. The, the challenge, I think so too. <laughs> the challenge with that though, is if you have that in your shaker over time, that shaker is going to start getting damp because yep. it's sucking water out of the air. So people will add salt or uh, add rice to their shaker to help kind of break up those salt crystals or like with Celtic, if you put it in a shaker, sometimes you have to kind of tap the shaker and, and break up those salt crystals before you apply it. Isn't a problem. It doesn't take too much to go like that. But around the turn of the century, some salt companies sat around and said, what chemicals could we add to the salt crystal that we could coat that crystal with that would stop that crystal from interacting with moisture because we don't want it to clump in the shaker. And when it rains outside, the salt won't pour out of the shaker. So they came up with this marketing campaign with called when it rains the umbrella and everything that now it all makes sense. And the, and the tagline is 
and this may be too old of a marketing for many of your listeners, but the tagline was when it rains, it pours. And I had this cute little girl with an umbrella and it was raining outside and she's walking down the street and the salt's trickling out of the shaker to show that this salt will now stop. It will not interact with moisture. And the chemicals that they coat that crystal with are things like sodium ferrous cyanide, which doesn't take much of a chemistry degree to know that sodium ferrous is iron and cyanide's poison. Mm -hmm. And and you can coat that crystal with sodium ferrous cyanide and it stops that salt crystal's ability to interact with moisture. They can also coat the crystal with something called um, calcium silicoaluminate, um, kind of an antiperspirant E type chemical or propylene glycol 400 they can coat that crystal with. So there's a whole list of chemicals that they can treat the salt with to stop its ability to interact with moisture so it doesn't clump in the shaker. Well, that sounded like a good idea to a few people, but the problem with that, as you and your audience probably knows, is if you take something that's supposed to help our bodies regulate moisture and help our cells get that pump. And salt is essential for, especially after a good workout, our bodies are full of toxins, right? We've, yeah. we've, we've, we've got dead cells, we've ruptured things and the body has got to excrete and salt is the body's natural salt and water is the body's main two cleansers. Mm-hmm. And so if you take this essential part of life that was you know, talked about in the scriptures, it was used in every civilization. It was essential for man then we take out some of the other complex chlorides and then we treat it with chemicals and then we eat it and we think, wow, it doesn't taste very good anymore. It kind of has this, this bitter flavor and boy, I'm starting to have some problems with, with water retention and blood pressure or whatever it is. It's not this, it's not natural salt that does that. It's the processed salt on processed crappy foods that you probably shouldn't be eating anyway. And then you wonder why you feel crappy. Well, it's because you're eating crap. (laughs) Yeah, it's, 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 it's like, uh, I have so, okay. So, um, we, we, we train, I I would say most, most of our clients are older than I am. Um, and we have, uh, some, some young guys, some, some young ladies. Um, but whenever we have, um, you know, I'm not trying to stereotype, but, uh, the, the age range of like around 50 to 70, it seems like everybody's really, really concerned about there's, there's bodybuilders that look great and that step on stage at 65 years old. Um, we just had a, a grandmother do her first show, uh, Melanie Murray. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. This, this was this last weekend. And, and actually uh, just a side, just a side note too, is you were talking about salt, uh, clumping because it, 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 um, attracts moisture. And now it all makes sense because I had all my salts, right? I'm like, I'm not eating crappy salt at all. Unless you're like, this is going to be, you know, I'm going to pack all my own salt. So, um, packed like I, I I had to pick like five of my favorites right <laughs> um but and so I put them in all these travel shaker bottles and they and, and they were just cheap ones off Amazon they weren't like um super fancy or anything but they, but they just all got clumpy and that that must um that must be why but um go, but going back to our clientele that are around their uh 50s and 60s though uh Melanie was not one of these um, people that asked this question that, that, that had this concern, but whenever I start talking about salt and, re- and recommending salt, they get this big scared look in their face and like, Oh, my doctor told me to stop eating salt. Oh, I thought that uh, I I've, I've been trying to cut back on sodium everywhere possible. And I'm, and, and I'm like, your, your, your blood pressure is I'm, I'm not even a doctor. I'm an idiot. Okay. But I'm, but, but, but I'm telling you, and I know, and I know this for a fact your blood pressure is not because you're consuming too much sodium. Your 
your blood pressure problems and your cholesterol issues are because of the French fries, the burgers. And this is years and years and years of this all adding up. There's probably a genetic component to it too, but please, for the love of God, do not cut out sodium. Your body needs it. <laughs> you know, um, I, Unless somebody's on kidney failure or dialysis, um, if you are, ignore everything I'm, I've, I've said and will say, because you know, a healthy kidney can actually process about four ounces uh, of sodium a day. That's four ounces. That's a that's a lot. A healthy kidney can. You know, if somebody's on dialysis or kidney failure, then that's a totally different story because our kidney's job is to 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 process sodium. And if they're healthy, like you go to the hospital, you can get an IV and get you know, several bags of IV through you, um, which has more sodium than the daily recommended allowance and, and you're just fine. Um, mm -hmm. but it's in the right form, you know, back, so you said you, you mentioned age there and there's a study, you probably won't be able to see it, but it says the evidence and relationship between, uh, sodium chloride intake and the human essential hypertension. Uh, the, the date on this study was 1954 and this study was commissioned and they took copious amounts, extremely high amounts of processed salt and injected these mice with it. And they found, sure enough, if they injected incredibly high amounts of salt into these mice, there were some problems. Not taking into account moisture, not taking about water consumption, but just injecting high amounts of salt was a problem. And it was a silly study. Like you could inject high amounts of anything um, and it's going to be a problem. Inject high amounts of oxygen into the cells and see what happens. That's going to be disastrous. Um, and so this one study has rippled through society and now it's been completely debunked. But that still, especially from that older generation who who also heard the same thing about fat. Um, you know, there was a period of time where fat was the devil. Any and all fat was a problem. Um, but yet we know that we absolutely have to have fat for our brains. We have to have cholesterol for our brains. We have to have. So it's just like like all fat was thrown under the bus um and and now they're saying wait a second we were way off track on the whole fat thing um and now they're saying the same thing about salt the olive salt was thrown under the bus um but they were talking about processed salt high amounts of processed salt on the high amounts of food that you if you can even call it food and there was and then it was a problem but that's not what we're talking about in in your case absolutely um Going, touching back on the uh, on on your guys's mineral sheet, just uh, once again, real quick. Um, there there are a couple concerns that I see. Um, specifically, heavy metals like mercury. Um, is is that something that anybody should be concerned about? You know, I think um, as Earthlings, there's a lot of things that that we're exposed to. Um, you know, there there is um, on that analysis, you'll see lead. Um, yeah. And there is a sh extremely small 0. 0. 0.00, you know, something percent. Um, and there's all zero 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 two. Yeah. <laughs> and and that and it doesn't always show up. There's a little symbol I think you'll see on there that it occasionally has shown up in the past. Okay. Um, and we put that on there because if even though it mostly doesn't, if somebody ever tested and it did, then they would. Oh, you're trying to hide something. It's like no, we're not trying to hide anything. It's just over 40 years of testing, we've got to try to include everything that may have shown up in the past, and that's why that's on there. But in any foods that we eat we've got also trace amounts of of everything that the earth is based on so you'll see trace amounts of lead in steak um, trace amounts of silver trace amounts of gold you know there's there's all of these elements that in, in our world that show up in our food supply 
And if you were to get a refined amount of it in high levels, certainly a problem. And we should certainly go out of our way to eat foods that are lowest in in heavy metals and things like that. But the the small amount of of lead that has shown up occasionally over the last 40 years is less than you'd find in a big glass of drinking water. Wow. Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. That that that, that makes that makes a ton of sense. It 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 kind of seems like it just has to be on paper in the same way that when you go to a restaurant, it's like, hey, you're 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 eating sushi, okay? Eating 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 raw fish or like eating anything that's that's undercooked or undercooked eggs or whatever, just like because it's a runny yolk and not a fully cooked yolk, like they have to say that. That's yeah, and and I'm certainly you know like the Great Salt Lake is very contaminated. Um, unfortunately, over the years, us humans have not been great stewards of the Great Salt Lake, and the Great Salt Lake has high levels of mercury in it. So I certainly would not want to source my salt from the Great Salt Lake because of that. Um, and seaweed, you know, sea fish is the same. So you know, sometimes there's lakes that maybe in Colorado that have trout in it, and that maybe that lake got contaminated, and that trout out of that lake has higher levels of mercury. And I would certainly prefer you know, salmon from, you know, fresh Alaska salmon that might have, you know, might have a little bit of trace minerals in it because it's, it's natural, it's salmon. And I would source that over, a you know, like a, maybe something that's been raised in a farm that has even higher levels of cadmium or something. Mm -hmm. But I, my point is, I think in every food supply, there is, there's trace amounts of naturally occurring items that you would not want to you would want to eat a thermometer for sure um, that's clear full of mercury but a, a trace amount in a fresh caught alaska salmon is very different from a processed food item or something that's been contaminated you know anyway hey everybody thanks for joining us on part one of this episode we're going to stop it right here because that's about as much as my video editor can handle <laughs> and then we're gonna uh, pick up with the second part of the conversation as soon as we get that one published for you so um, that on the on the second conversation, we we had a lot of fun. Not that we didn't have fun in the first one, but uh, we're, we we've started talk we started talking about wine infused salt crystals, um, thinking outside the box, things that you can do with it, ways that you can have fun with it, how to taste the differences between certain salts from more of like a culinary expected pers perspective, advice on how to do that. And we actually did a little bit of that too. So. Um, yeah, it was fun having people joining them alive and throwing their suggestions and their questions and everything. Oh, and I wanted to thank everybody too from the bottom of my heart that did show up on the live and was there um, showing support for the channel and asking questions and everything and engaging because this is this is this is new content. So we're trying to see what you guys like, trying to see what's working, and uh, just trying to share what we learn as we learn it. So love you guys so much. God bless. Thanks again for joining us in this episode. It mean the world if you shared it with somebody too, helping the channel grow organically. Um, really, really helps. So again, thanks so much and uh, we'll catch you on the next episode.